0: Josh, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. I'm glad you're on the podcast. Like you're one of the only other podcasts out there, and I've been trying to get you on for a while, man. So Dude, how I'm, are you doing? I'm, I'm great,
1: man. I'm honored to be on. It'll be I'm excited just to do a collaboration podcast with specialty coffee podcasts, and you know what you guys are doing over there. You guys have an amazing show, and I'm honored that you reached out and I'm excited just to talk all things coffee, man.
0: Awesome, man. This is gonna be a good one for me because you know, picking your brain, like you're waist deep in the coffee industry right now, and you've had plenty of guests on, and and it's just man, coffee is such a wild thing right now. It's going it's going in so many different directions. Yes, undoubtedly,
1: in waist deep, neck deep, whatever it may be, but we're in it, that's for sure. So
0: a hundred percent. So uh what's basically we're going to do right now. And I'm super curious about this. I want to know how you got into coffee. Now we can get into the podcast a little bit later, but I want Mm -hmm. to know exactly what got Tyler into coffee, into roasting and where you're going with it. Yeah, man.
1: So I started in coffee, probably I would say like seriously getting into coffee about eight years ago. Um, a buddy and mine had always been entrepreneurial and always wanted to kind of start our own thing and do our own thing. And so we had thrown around different ideas and whatever. And, um, you know, we were passionate about coffee to the extent that it was back in back in that time, you know, um, specialty. It was probably 2000. Oh, well, shoot. It was probably 2011 when we really started seriously considering things, which was more than eight years ago now that I think about it. Um, But we didn't fully get into it until I've been roasting for eight. Um, But doing coffee and things like that was probably before that. And specialty coffee in Denver was starting to become more and more of a thing. And so um one night we me and my buddy had a couple beers and we're like hey man let's just do this thing and so we went on the secretary of state website looked up uh names and we were throwing them around and came up with a sip coffee which was what we were before we were storyline right um and just kind of decided to launch into it and so that was kind of literally we spent an hour or two over a couple of beers and decided to go for it we wanted to you know just be able to start roasting coffee and then sell it to friends and family and just give it away for free. Um, And that's kind of how we started. We had some pretty humble and crazy beginnings, I guess, in a big sense. We had a barbecue grill that we had, and uh nice we connect yeah super ghetto setup man (laughs) we literally had a hair tie that was attached to an electric drill and uh, a huge extender bit that went to a drum and we drum roasted on a barbecue grill uh from sweet maria's that's where we got our coffee from and we just went for it and honestly didn't expect the coffee to taste good at all um in the first batch we had i was like whoa like this actually isn't bad coffee like i was expecting you know like first time you do something you expect it just to like everything to go wrong and it to taste horrible um but yeah we were actually subtly surprised that it was pretty tasty i think it was in ethiopia if i remember all back um it was actually just super you know surprisingly good and so gave it away to some friends and they're like man this is actually like pretty great so we kept doing it and before you know it we had uh just giving away a bunch of free coffee and we're also like drinking pretty affordable coffee compared to what you can get at the store. And I was like, man, if this is all that it ever does, like I'm happy. Like I'm drinking cheaper coffee, saving myself some money and it's fun. Like, um, (laughs) we, it was just so ridiculous though. Back in those days, like, you know, you'd pull it off the grill, and we'd have like oven mitts on. And we'd be shaking it over a fan, and chaff would be blowing everywhere. And it was like just the most ridiculous setup ever. Right. Um, but it was, uh, it was fun. And then we uh, ended up getting a connection. We had friends Drew and Lindsay, and her dad, um, Lindsay's dad, was a principal at a private Christian school. And they were like, "Hey, we have a like." Diedrich tabletop roaster that like hasn't been used in a long time like we'd love for it to just get used so do you guys want to use it and we're like what that's awesome and so it's a little one or two pound i think it was like a two kilo tabletop roaster or something one kilo t- tabletop and uh we started doing that which kind of allowed us to scale a little bit and we we're like oh, okay like now we can actually start getting a little bit of metrics going and figure out profiles and be a little bit more serious with it. And uh, at that point we started, you know, actually selling coffee and um, it kind of began to take off from there. We wanted to kind of be like the milkman for coffee. And so people would leave, we actually had glass jars back at that time and they would leave their glass jar and we'd take that jar and give them a fresh one. And so we were doing that, got a couple of small wholesale accounts and then it just kind of grew and continued to go from there. So those were the early sip days and, um, yeah, it kind of developed into the crazy business we have now over all those years. So
0: awesome. So, so I I asked most of my guests this question and, and I'm going to ask you this question and I'm pretty sure, and you were talking about humble beginnings. So I always hit learning curves. That's the thing for me, uh, in the beginning. And, you know, most people want to talk about how great coffee is and, and they don't, ever really want to talk about how difficult it is to manage those learning curves when getting into coffee. So um, hit us with when you first started, what was the major obstacles that you encountered um, as well as the hardest learning curve for you, be it getting into roasting, brewing, just hit us with it all.
1: Yeah, man. I think the first things that come to mind And this is something that I've like, I want someone to develop. So I'm always an open book. If anyone wants to reach out to me at any point in time or has questions or ideas, like I have no secrets to hide. I'll share business plans. I'll show numbers. I'll share everything. And so um, I love just furthering what is the specialty coffee world into what it can be. And uh, those early days, though, the hardest thing for me was metrics and understanding like when you're at such a small scale, there's certain like the Alleo Bullet has come along and helped out this a lot with like, they have good roasting software and Cropster has helped. But like a lot of these really small roasters don't have ways to actually get profiles. Right. And so that makes it really challenging to know, okay, I want it to taste like this, but what do I need to do to get it to taste like this if I'm not tracking heat input and time and airflow and like those things or whatever it may be if it's an air popper, like how long and am i getting it too hot to start or too cool at the end like whatever it may be and so i i want someone to come up with like a you know those like meter bean probes for like steak that you cook with yeah i want someone to create like a usb version that you can drop in green coffee and it will connect to your phone and give you a roast profile like straight right. temperature size of a bean bright colored so you can see it and then i will give you metrics no matter if you're on an air popper or whatever so someone steal that idea and make millions of dollars um, for sure yeah <laughs> but anyways that's one of the first things is metrics for me which was really tough is just like literally in those early days we were using a notebook and every 30 seconds we were writing down the temperature and time And then we would input that data in like an Excel spreadsheet and create a graph. And that's how we were doing it. Cause like we didn't have probes. We didn't want to drill into someone's machine that wasn't ours, obviously. And so it was just a lot of labor intensive stuff. That's number one metrics. Number two for me was like logistics. So that came in a lot of forms, but. Like shipping logistics, right? Like, we had people that wanted to ship our coffee and it, we were using jars. And it's like, you can't ship glass, uh, turns out, unless it's like you get it in a cardboard box and all this filling. And then all of a sudden, right. your, your shipping is more expensive than your coffee. And it's like, that doesn't make sense. So, understanding like shipping logistics, Price of just like materials like labels and bags or jars or whatever you end up using, and then like the cost of packaging and the cost of shipping the product like all that stuff just adds up. And so, trying to do something like super side hustle version to get started if you don't have a lot of cash put away. And you don't know if it's going to take off and do well or not. And so it's kind of hard to like, we don't want to dump a bunch of money into this thing and then it ruin all the fun and it not work out or whatever. So learning how to scale in logistics was tough. And then a lot of it's like green buying, I think is really hard. Like Sweet Maria's does a good job for like small scale. There's a couple other ones. Um, I found a website that has like a huge list of like where you can buy green coffee from, and I wish I would have had those in that early days. But um, getting high quality green coffee that's affordable is also tough, um, right? You know, because few places sell one, five, ten, twenty pounds at a time, and so um, knowing where to source good, high quality, specialty grade coffee is. Was probably those things that were in those early days the huge learning curves and
0: man we made a lot of
1: mistakes for sure um, yeah
0: so but yeah so the so the company that uh, I reference everybody to is the Captain's Coffee out of North Carolina mm, um, mm-hmm. that he offers uh, so De La Finca is ran by Nelson um, he he has an amazing uh, importer system going on and Captain's Coffee gets their green coffee from him. Um, and they sell it to micro roasters pretty much. And it seems like more of those, um, businesses are popping up because there's more micro roasters in coffee these days. Like you were saying, like when you started, I bet that would have been super helpful to have, you know, around like that, you know?
1: Absolutely. And I think in those early days too, like there were two books, like modulating the flavor profile of coffee and Scott Rao's like the fundamentals of coffee roasting coffee i think is what it's called like those were the two books which is great to have a basis but then it's like i was looking for other resources and things which is kind of part of the reason why i wanted to start a podcast or get into doing content and write ups and things like that um is just like there apart from sitting down with someone who's already doing it and asking them a ton of questions and them allowing to roast with you and see what they're doing and tell them all the secrets. Like it was super hard without those connections, and so right. I'm I'm super grateful for the specialty coffee scene in Denver and guys like Danielle Mendoza and Eric from Sweet Bloom now and like those guys that were in the Denver coffee scene in those early days and like Copper Kettle and like there's so uh, excuse me Copper Door Coffee. Um, like there are so many of those companies that were. Um, and huckleberry just like open to sharing ideas like hey like what are you doing roasting like what's working for you what's not like let's share Um, and that really like catapulted us in those early days to be able to kind of um, take off and do better so
0: for sure and man so like after watching a lot of uh, multiple videos and channels that are popping up now it seems like There's more and more and more content made available Mm -hmm. for, for everyone, uh, that, that just wants to hop into it. Um, and, and you know, this, like you said, humble beginnings, like you're pretty much reading a PDF, like you're reading a book, you're trying to find different ways to improve your coffee game. And now you just have to really just pull YouTube up and you can, you can dial your coffee in that way, you know? So it's. It's, it's a crazy time we live in as far as coffee goes right now.
1: Absolutely. And for people to be able to hop on YouTube and check out, you know, your show and see what other people in the industry are doing and get on like a Reddit forum and just read up and share like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. Who else has this And other people to instantly just respond back with, right? Like, this is what I did and try this. Or what about that? And like, um, I, hope this can, this trend continues that the coffee industry is always open and welcoming to anyone at any stage. Right. Like, right. I'm sure you experienced this in the early days of like, where do I start? Where do I begin? And how do I learn more? And, um, and it, the more you get into it, you're like, wow, there's super cool people in this industry that are just willing to help and push other people forward. Um, you know, there's, there's enough coffee to go around for everyone. So
0: for sure. A hundred percent. So, the reason and I'm sure it's probably part of the reason why you started your podcast. The, the reason I started mine is like, you know, I I still realize like that I'm always learning and you and you know that in coffee, you're always learning. Mm-hmm. And and I've seen a way if, if I could bring somebody on here and help other people out by them putting their information out, I'm going to learn as well. So that, mm-hmm. that's that's the main reason why I do it is because I learn and then everyone else learns. So it's. Right. Why not pick the top in the industry's brain and just put it out there? Because I feel like, um, coffee isn't made as mainstream, you know, it is more now than it was in the past, but it's still, you're still going to have individuals that the, their, their peak knowledge about coffee is Starbucks or whatever they can get at the grocery store. So this is still not as enticing to to everyone. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head, right? Like, What, if we can pull little bits and pieces from everyone, right? Like what works for me or for you or for, you know, pick a name in the industry, like it may not work for everyone, but you can pull a little bit from this person and a little bit from that person and go, Ooh, I like that idea. Like some people are super into like retail and like, Hey, I want to shop. I want an awesome cafe experience. I want super, super big on hospitality and other people are like, Hey, I'm super focused on wholesale and, you know, supporting other shops and getting my coffee out that way and, you know, supplying them with equipment or whatever it may be. And like what works for one person in their goal and vision or what works for another person, you know, I think, the best way is just to share ideas and we can all glean from each other and, and get better. And I think at the end of the day, like that's where the industry is going. Um, I often relate it to, to beer and wine. I think beer is almost a better example in this, but like, you know, you look back 10, 15, 20 years ago and like craft beer wasn't a huge thing at all.
0: No, not at all.
1: Yeah. Like it was all domestics. You know, you had Bud Light, Coors Light, you had Modelo, you had all those main brands And then there was a few small like craft beer places. Now that liquor stores, like the craft beer section, is as big, if not bigger, than your domestics. Right, for sure. And so I think that's where the coffee industry is going. And as younger generations who have grown up with more micro roasters, specialty coffee shops, like the more they're just going to be used to and accustomed to that environment where they're like man i don't just want these big name brands that are right for sure focused on their bottom line and that's it and instead like hey we care about the producers we care about where coffee's grown we care about um making sure that people are paid an equitable wage and also supporting local communities on top of that and right and before you know it like i think that industry will begin becoming bigger and bigger
0: oh yeah i I hundred percent agree with that now before we hop into that because i'm going to add that into the podcast here in a little bit um uh so i want to i want to know the basically the background of storyline roasters Mm -hmm. like i want to know like basically what was that cup of coffee you had that specialty cup of coffee that actually just flipped that switch in your brain so that's what um, and I know you kind of tapped on like how you got into coffee, but I want to know what that, that cup of coffee that flipped that switch for you. Cause I know everyone kind of yeah. has that story. Uh, sure. And Mine was a pour over in Germany with a Chemex mm. and come on. So it was like, yeah, literally sold me immediately. Perfect. So yep. uh, I want to know what, what really tagged you.
1: Yeah, man, such a great question. The coffee for me, there's two that come to mind. The biggest one which I kind of hinted at was that Ethiopia that we roasted. Like right. it, there's these um, like nutri breakfast, like little, they're blueberry biscuits essentially. And they're like kind of hard, but that coffee tasted exactly like that. And I remember driving and drinking that cup of coffee that I had roasted and then eating that. And I was like, man, this is incredible. Like right. how is this tasting like this blueberry biscuit that I'm eating? Um, so that was one of them. I also had a Starbucks reserve blend forever ago. Um, and I honestly can't remember if it was a Columbia or an Ethiopia. Um, it was one of those two or two origins and it was just like, well, this is different. Like there was that moment of coffee. Isn't just this over roasted, caffeinated beverage, but it actually can be something more and something unique. And I think I've always kind of been drawn to excellence and doing things like it can be, if you go down any rabbit hole, it can be amazing. Right. And, um, so yeah, those were, those were the two moments that kind of flipped that switch for me. That was like, ah, oh, this is it, man.
0: Right. And so, that and that's awesome, but it's, I wish more people had that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, most people are used to mass-assisted coffee, like just mass-produced, over-roasted. Yep. And if that's your thing, I'm not here to bag on anybody for for nope. wanting that. You know, if that's what you. If that's what you like, that's what you like. Um, but man, it's just like you want people to have that experience. Yeah. Um, friends and family, like you want to, you know, like hey, come over, uh, try a pour over, and then you end up getting the response of, hey man, it's just coffee. and, I'm, yeah. and, you're, and you're like, okay. yeah. <laughs>
1: And it's, it's interesting too. Cause like that was, there was definitely an aha moment for me in coffee. And I think a lot of people have that, but like for like, I like craft beer and for me with beer, it wasn't that way. It was like a slow progression, right? Right. Like I went from drinking like, you know, the typical college beers that most people drink like Keystone light or whatever that right, you right. drink to get drunk. But um, then slowly I was like, Hey, there's this wheat beer. Like, I think I had a shock top or something, you know, like not craft by any means, but I was like, oh, this is, this is actually pretty good. Like this actually has some taste to it. And then it was like, let's try this wheat beer. And then I was like, oh, I had a vanilla porter and it was this slow progression into like beer isn't just this watered beverage that people drink when they want to have a good time, but it actually can be something more and something really special and unique and have a lot of flavors and, and different, you know, tasting notes that are within that. And so it was a slow progression for me in beer. For coffee, it was that like
0: flip of a switch aha moment. So. Right. Yeah, because you were already used to it.
1: Right. Kinda, yeah. yeah
0: kind of looking for it. So so let's let's yep. hop into that real quick. So I was going to ask you, uh, what was your first cupping experience like? Because everyone's <laughs> super unique. <laughs> oh, man, bro. It's so funny. So uh, I actually enjoy this story
1: because it, it was so intimidating, and I left so caffeinated. But, right. Um, oh, yeah, it's bad so like i this is my first like real cupping experience me my now wife i think at the time we were dating so this is what eight probably yeah eight years ago and we've married seven so me um my at the time girlfriend amber now wife and zach the buddy that i started sip and then what became storyline um We had tried to do like a cupping in our house with like coffee mugs and spoons and whatever and did that. But that was just kind of like, hey, like reading a book and being like, okay, this is what we're supposed to do and trying it. first real cupping experience I had was at Corvus um, and there were four coffee producers there and there was like, I want to say 15 to 20 people. There were 40 coffees on the table and two cups of each. So 80, there were 80 bowls around this huge table. And in front of me was Phil, the owner of Corvus coffee behind me was Danielle who was roasting at the time. And then me And it started with Phil and then me and then Danielle. And I was like, okay, no pressure. Um, don't screw this up. Like, I don't even know really what I'm doing. And so I just like mimicked what they were doing, like took notes in my phone and hoped that I didn't say something stupid. Right. Um, but going around a table trying uh 40 different coffees twice is exhausting and I wasn't spitting much. So I was like taking little sips of 80 cups and by the end of it I was like jazz probably didn't eat lunch or something. Right, and I right. felt like I was just amped up and it was super nerve wracking because I remember we then like compared like okay cup like we would talk about certain cups that people liked and like 17 what are your guys thoughts on 17 and then we would share tasting notes and it was super nerve-wracking um but I remember in those moments of like starting to build confidence like someone would be like oh on 17 I had you know like juicy I don't know juicy pomegranate and I had some notes of like almond and I was like hey I actually have like uh, juicy is one of the words I put so I was like okay maybe I'm like Maybe I'm getting this. Um, and so then I started sharing, like, okay, on 18, I had, you know, some tangerine. And they're like, yep, we got citrus notes. And I was like, okay, like, I guess I'm not too bad at this. Like, right. I don't know what I'm doing. But so that was my first cupping experience. It was super nerve wracking. But again, awesome just that the community was like, hey, there's this guy who's roasting and is wanting to get into the industry. Like, let's bring him on board and just like got to meet producers. Like, I think they were from Colombia or Guatemala. Um, And it was a, it was a rad experience for sure.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't think most people understand that your palate really is a muscle Mm -hmm. until you start cupping and you're trying to figure out notes. Like it is so hard starting out. And like you said, you get super caffeinated if you don't, one, spit your water (laughs) out (laughs) and and two, try not to, to cup everything. Yeah. Um, What are
1: some ways that you've like grown that muscle yourself to kind of develop that Twice um, a week over
0: time. Okay, twice twice a week. So I uh, Wednesdays and Sundays. So me and my wife use it as like a date night. Uh, like I'll oh, cool. get some new coffee in. I'll roast some coffee four days prior, um, and then we'll cup that coffee on Sunday. Sundays and Wednesdays. So that exact night that yeah. I have that I'm cupping, I'm also roasting so it's ready for Wednesday. So I I just try to just do one little uh, four cup batch, and uh, and I'll cup from there. And I just I feel like you're not overloading yourself. In my opinion, you're not overloading yourself with it. Um, and you know, it kind of builds consistency, like going to the gym. So it's like, you know, constantly cupping. So I don't know what your process is with it, but it's, that's what's helped me specifically with getting a little bit better at cupping.
1: Yeah. And I think people often ask like, Hey, how can I get better at roasting or how can I do X, Y, or Z? And it's like tasting and cupping coffee is, is 100% the way to improve and get better. Right. And I think sure. one of the things that helped me early on and um, was doing like, and I didn't do this real regimentedly, but like I would, you know, eat an apple, right? And I would right. slow down and be present in that moment and actually think like, okay, what does a green apple actually taste like? Like we all have in our minds right. that like it tastes, you know, it can be a little sour, pretty juicy but like when you actually bite into it what are what are you getting what is your mouth doing what is it like is it crisp and does it you know is it like a sparkling acidity or is it like a lingering acidity like those differences that you can pull from foods and fruits i think is huge for people because then when you go to a table and cup you can then start pulling different fruit notes and different like even just with foods like right. if you can start eating a casserole or a soup or whatever And start trying to identify like, okay, what, you know, like if my wife cooks something like what's in here, like, am I getting garlic, am I getting salt, am I getting tomato, like whatever those things may be, which is just training your palate. And it's in a super non-formal way, but just like in my head while I'm eating, I'm thinking about like, okay, this is, this is what I'm actually tasting. This is what my mouth is feeling and all that kind of stuff so
0: hey i actually i like that i don't, I never thought about doing that with food you know like uh to try to uh, i've done it with now i'm probably going to start doing that a little bit more often um i don't do that as much and also with the cupping too man that flavor wheel like just having that thing mm-hmm. in front of you that helps a lot too just getting you thinking about different flavors man yep
1: yeah and i think what's cool there was a i think it was in 2015 to 17 there was the a coffee lexicon that came out um, and that's a great reference for people just of like universal language in terms of like what when we say chocolate like that can mean a ton of different things to a ton of different people like right um, someone from New Zealand who has chocolate Uh, is going to taste way better than the chocolate we have here personally is what I think. But (laughs) (laughs) again, that's subjective, right? But like everyone's had Hershey's chocolate and everyone can identify, Oh, that's what a Hershey's chocolate bar tastes like. So it's a universal language and they go into like acids and all kinds of things. And so it's a great reference point. It's massive, but it's good to glance over for people if they're wanting another resource outside of that color wheel, which like you said is, is massive and super easy reference. So Mm -hmm.
0: For sure. So let's, let's hop in a little bit uh, more lighthearted uh, topic. So let's, yeah, uh, so let's go most, and most people send me these emails and they ask for anyone that I do have on the podcast, what is their home roasting equipment and what is their preferred brewing method? Um, mm-hmm. And and that is, a, and I love that. I love giving that information out there because there is nothing like waking up and dialing your coffee in right off the rip, you know? So yep. can you, yeah. So you just throw that out there, what your, yeah. uh, what's your go-to brewing method is and your go-to coffee. All right. My
1: it, go-to brewing method for me is hard right now. It's hot summer months. And so I'm, I'm getting back into cold brews. Um, and I like, trying to mess with the same man
0: that's that's exactly what (laughs) i yeah as soon as it gets hot i go right into cold brew it's the best um or flash brews like i love doing a
1: flash brew i'll use like a a v60 or an origami um the dripper whether it be flat bottom or cone and then i'll do um you know i'll do like 50 50 so i'll have a 50 percent weight of of ice for Um, that and then essentially you brew a concentrate with the rest for those that don't know what a flash brew is right um but yeah i love just messing with elements so for me right now it's cold brew so i'll try like a big bloom of hot and then i'll douse for like all and i'll even change it like i like to do small batches of cold brew so i can just mess with it and see what i like best like i did a a pretty heavy bloom of like water right off a boil for like 45 right. seconds and then douse with ice water afterwards and then let it sit okay. for like 22 hours and that pulls out some some more acidity some more fruit notes it gives it a little bit more flavor but you still get that overall creamy rich body to balance it and so right um i did that with a blend of guatemala uh, La morena, which was a natural processed, I believe, and then um what was the other coffee in there? It was a Ugandan natural processed, which has a lot okay. of body in it, and it was super good so yeah, those are my that's my go to brewing methods currently It changes often, but
0: okay yeah i'm dude I'm super stuck on the v sixty i can't i don't okay. no, I have so many different ways to brew at the house, and I'm just stuck on the v sixty it's like every morning's too easy just pop it on a coffee cup and just Yeah, and just brew
1: do you do anything for like agitation or stuff throughout or are you are you just so
0: so i'm not super strict i do try different things but i'm always big on i always try to do a 75 75 and then i try not to i don't agitate the bed as much on my last pour to get to 300 because i do 20 grams uh 20 grams in 300 out is usually what i try to do and i do 75 75 and then i pour the rest without agitating the bed as much on the end on the back end um but i'm kind of i'm kind of stuck on that right now i do want to try different things but there's some mornings man where i do try a different pulsing method or you know i'll I'll try to agitate a little bit more and then the coffee just doesn't come out as good (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah and that's what i think that's what's fun about coffee is like there's so many things that you can try or do, and you know, like, hey, let's try like swirl, like picking up the brewer and swirling, like, right, see If that yeah. does anything for you, like, try stirring, try leaving it alone and no agitation.
0: Like, it's so crazy how much those little nuances can make a difference in your cup. Yep, just hundred percent. Let's say I decided not to swirl as much or spiral as much with my pour at a. It can change the taste of your cup of coffee. Most people don't understand that. Yeah, it just blows my mind. And I'm
1: always interested too. Like, there's so many products out in the specialty coffee industry, right? And like, I'm always interested. Like, okay, is this actually going to do anything, or is this just like good marketing that really isn't going to impact the the taste of the cup? And I did a, I bought a coffee sifter, and it was like fairly inexpensive. I think it was like ten bucks on Amazon. And uh, I was like, all right, let's just check it out and try, dude. I was blown away. Granted it was before I'd upgraded my grinder, which is probably part of it is there are some fines in there that I was you right. Know, we just wore out that grinder, but dude, it made like a huge difference. And I, I thought for sure the sifter was going to be like, all right, like I'm going to throw all my grounds in here, shake it, get a little bit out and I'm not going to notice anything. And it was like, for sure, p- pretty different. I was like, wow, this is way cleaner. This is like, I'm way g- getting a more rounded cup here. I can pull out different notes. Um, you know, and so I was I was pretty impressed with just the little sifter that that did did some work for me. So,
0: yeah, man, it's the it's the it's the small things, you know, so mm-hmm. it's there. So my buddy Nick runs this company uh, or he's the co-founder of the company Lotus. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've tried. Uh, it's basically water uh, manipulation uh, for your cup of coffee in the mornings. And it has dramatically and I'm talking about dramatically improved my coffee. Yep. 100%. And I, and it's just, I try to tell people that and I'm like, Hey, you know, just change it up, fix your water first. And they're like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make that much of a difference. And I'm like, no, it does. It yeah. makes A huge difference.
1: And what's crazy is like, depending on where you're at, like your water hardness or softness can have right. a huge difference. And so what, what works for like, someone's like, Oh, it doesn't make that big a difference for me. Well, that could be because you have great water. Yeah, Or, like, for other people that are like, man, I can't not do it because if I don't, like, it's, like, not good. I mean, right is 98% water. 100%. So, like, you know, that's... Dude, that's I'm dialing part the part
0: water in every... Before my... I'm always dialing my water in before I brew anything. Yeah. And a, huge. it dramatically improves it. All right, man. So, let's hop into your goal with the podcast for Storyline. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just super curious to... You don't have to give me quite a five-year plan. Um, I'm just curious to where where you want to take it, uh, as far as like collaborations and just overall knowledge to uh, yeah. the population.
1: Yeah, man. So for us at Storyline and um, the podcast, like we really this may be kind of a long-winded answer, but really the we focus on three main things, which is wholesale, our subscription, and then like content. The subscription and content kind of go hand in hand for us. Um, But like wholesale is a huge part of what we do out here. Um, We're also, I live in a really like tourist, um, live in the mountains out here in Colorado. And so like summer months for us get insane. Um, Winter is busy, but it's just super different. We're not really close to like big mountain resorts. Like I'm a 40 minute drive from um, a couple ski resorts, but beside the point, Summertime gets really crazy for us, so our wholesale takes off uh, because the shops get really busy and whatever. Um, So I've been kind of slacking on my podcast a bit. But anyways, my goal with the podcast is I really craved and missed like the um community in the denver coffee scene so i was like man i want to i want to get back connected with people in the industry and hear what hear what their thoughts are and talk coffee just like we're doing right now like nerding out on stuff we're passionate about for sure and learning from what they have to say and what i have to say and like asking some hard questions even like like does this really have an impact you know like we want to say that we're putting money back into producers pockets but is it actually like do they actually feel like they're not getting an equitable wage or are they living at means and they're really happy with what they're getting like those tough kind of questions. And so for me, that's really where I want the podcast to go is just like continue developing those relationships within the industry and bring other people along to, um, to get as much of it out as they possibly can, you know, um, which then kind of fuels our subscription and our wholesale, right? Um, So we do a subscription service where people get, um, we have two levels. Level one comes with like coffee, coffee gear. So we'll send out like an arrow. I mean, gosh, we've done so much stuff. Like coffee sifter, we've done agitators. We've done like a hat. We've done, uh, man, like V60 pour overs. We've done cups. Like we've just done so much stuff that we send out to people. And then we do like a content. So I pick a topic And we, I do a full write up on whatever it is like this week's going to be high elevation coffees and how higher elevation coffees have an impact on taste, um, in what you can kind of expect from that. And then I do a video with it. And so that's kind of like an exclusive deal that you get if you sign up for our subscription and, um, it's a way to actually like couple the coffee you're drinking with something that you're learning about. So. Uh, this week's coffee coming up as a high elevation um, coffee that we then will couple with that content. And then if the gear, like I'll do, like we just sent out a cold brewer, which is why I've been messing with cold brew a ton also. And so I'll send out recipes and ideas and people message me from our subscription. So that's kind of all funnels into each other. Um, So that's kind of the goal, man, is just to continue growing at a sustainable pace and, um hopefully just keep getting the word out and have people reach out to us and um keep building the community that is special to coffee
0: yeah yeah 100 and i'm gonna double tap on what you said there just getting the information out there and i and i'm starting to dabble in finding different ways to do this podcast like every other mm-hmm. topic does this podcast so i have a couple podcasts coming up in the future and, and i can add you in on this too um we're trying to do a lot more in-person podcast on this. Um, so I'm, you know, I've already got tickets. I'm going to North Carolina. I got a podcast coming up at the end of this month and the podcast is going to be cupping. We're going to be cupping and doing a podcast at the same time. So going over the flavor notes and what we taste and then diving into questions kind of like we're doing here. Um, but yeah, so that, that's exactly where I'm taking my podcast as well. And it'd be awesome to collaborate with you, you know, fly out to Colorado and, do it to have podcast, you. you know? Yeah, man. We it's
1: it's super fun. And I think this is a cool idea. So Madcap, um, it, they did some online videos and they brought someone who didn't know how to do a pour over and they taught them okay. how to do it live on a video. Oh, I'm like, oh awesome. that's super cool. Like that's a yeah. brilliant idea. Like oh, what is, if you yeah. had a couple people in industry that was like, hey, let's like we know how to cut, but let's teach someone who's never cut before and just walk them through all the steps. For sure, yeah. Um, so there's there's a lot of cool things um you know that you can do and stuff, but um where do you see like your show? I know you kind of alluded to it of like doing more in-person stuff and you know also just like more experiences with it, but what's your goals with the podcast and what else you guys have going on?
0: So the goal with the podcast is to keep bringing on the top in the industry if I can. Um, and also once I get to a certain point, I, I'm still going to bring on individuals that are just getting started out as well. Uh, so that's kind of like, um, my plan for the next year is to continue mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, but for the next five years is to kind of just have a, just a plethora of guests from, small time roasters, you know, small coffee shops all the way up to the top in the industry of roasters and, you know, top, you know, level coffee companies. Um, but as far as like content, I want to put out more educational content. Um, and the in-person podcast, I feel like that's invaluable. I feel like it's more personal. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like in today's society, we're missing that connection. And if they, and if they see us actually hanging out, having that conversation, talking coffee, um, you know, even going over brewing methods in person, like you were talking about, that's also in my back pocket as far as like content ideas. But as far as like where we're going with it, it's just going to keep kind of going the same, uh, pushing that education. That's super important to me because I think if we keep pushing the education, then it's going to build a community. And -hmm. if we build a community, it's just going to be more things to talk about and more people to hang out with and, and have more of a commonality when it comes to coffee.
1: Yeah, exactly, right, man. And yeah, I think as we continue to progress and like build those actual connections within industry, I think we then continue to push the bounds of what's possible, right? So Right. I love talking to people that do like competitions because it's such a unique space and there's so much that goes into 100% you know, coffee competitions and everything. And those are like where we get a lot of the like products and the front runners like a lot of the like early days and grind, like grinders were a big thing. Like that's where we've pulled so much of new equipment and brewing, and also just like you know doing a nitro infused coffee and like that kind of stuff and different specialty drinks. And so, I think there is so much that we can do to like continue furthering industry with real in-person connections. Um, and so, you know, like going and I think for people that are interested, like find a latte art throwdown and show up you know 100%. like percent Check it out, see what it's about, just talk to people like it's fun when other people that aren't in the industry or like aren't working behind bar or roasting or whatever show up because it's like hey, you have such a unique opinion because you're not behind the scenes. So like what right. do you think of this? Like what would you like to see in this? Cuz at the end of the day like um if you're selling coffee, like the consumer is what matters at the end of the day and like what I like may not be what the consumer is looking for or wanting, and so right. getting that actual opinion and talking to them I think is huge so
0: for sure and and man, those throw down um those atmospheres are super contagious mm-hmm. if you've never been around coffee or a throw down or seeing that type of art it it is super contagious it is it is a full blown atmosphere, yep,
1: yeah, and I think too, like we get. I hope because I think in the early days of specialty coffee, like you would go into certain shops um, and like you'd have a dude with a curled mustache who like was standoffish if you didn't know what varietal or elevation or taste notes you were looking for. Right. (laughs) And I think that was super off-putting for people. And so I think the industry as a whole has really tried very hard to be like, Hey, we're not this like snobby, off-putting like it's my way or the highway like if you like cream and sugar and a bunch of flavoring in your coffee like awesome like come on board and let's like enjoy that right and and then slowly over time like we can say like hey like you really like you know vanilla syrup in your you know latte like try this coffee because it has really sweet vanilla notes in it and see what you think and then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, this is great. Like this is actually really good. It's creamy. It has really great like chocolatey notes and it has vanilla. Like this is awesome. And then right. all of a sudden they like, don't need their cream and sugar. And, and if they still want it, great. You know, like you said it earlier, like I'm not here to tell people how to drink coffee. Cause
0: you know, yeah, for sure. No. And, and like you said, you said this earlier as well, like it, it is kind of taking on a misconception of how the, uh, specialty brewing and beer is right now like just craft beer like Mm -hmm. most people think individuals that are into craft beer are super snobby and and i feel like that they're kind of comparable as far as misconceptions of the community Mm -hmm. yeah and if you like go to
1: a, a competition or just like find a shop that's welcoming and like just ask them questions like most people that are in industry especially like roasters and people like if you get them talking or just like, Hey, like I see this big, like there's some shops that actually have the roaster in it, which is super cool. You know, like what, like what's going on in there. And then just like being able to ask simple questions and then be able to share while it's happening, I think is a super cool experience for people to be like, man, this is awesome. Um, There's a really great shop out in Australia. It's called a prototype coffee. And they have like, Six allele bullets, which is like a, I think it's a one kilo, so two pounds electric roaster, which is what I transitioned to when I got back into it. Um, And they have six of them and they'll roast green coffee for you. So they have a menu of green coffee and they'll roast green for you in front of you. Um, And then let you take a fresh bag home. And I think that's super cool because it's experiential. You can see the graphics as it's being roasted. And I love that idea just because it's like, man, that is such a cool experience. Yeah, that is so personable.
0: That is like, oh, I'll I'll watch that happen. You know, that's yeah, that's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. And for people that are traveling, like you get to go home and be like, man, like I got to, it's the same thing with beer, right? Like people love doing tours of breweries or, you know, a distillery because you're like, wow, this is crazy. Like I drink this all the time, but I really had no idea what all went into it and all the hands that it touches and that's the same thing for
0: a hundred percent and and dude it's super fun once you get into it so you start planning your vacation so you start planning coffee shops around your vacations <laughs> yep. and it's just like doing those uh little wine tastings or going to different breweries like you said it's the same thing and it's super enjoyable when i know that i'm going somewhere and i and i get to try different yep. coffees and i get to see different uh personalities, environments. It's just, it's, it's an awesome thing to be uh, subjected to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think COVID in a lot of ways, like did, did some good for the industry because it forced people to realize that they can get a cafe experience at home. Right. And so like you can have an espresso machine at your house, like you can have, you know, like with the new grinders that fellow came out with and, you know, like It's a $200 grinder that will do espresso to, you know, a cold brew and it's pretty affordable, right? Like whereas before a while back, it was like, if you didn't have $1,500 to $2,000, like you couldn't really do espresso at home. And now we're starting to see this at home experience where even the same thing with roasters, right? Like there's more and more small ways that you can actually roast coffee and get into this as a hobby or a side hustle and, um, yeah, I just love hearing from people that are like, man, I'm teaching my kids like the importance of like running a business and, and being entrepreneurial. Awesome. And and like, you know, we roast
0: coffee as a family. I'm like, man, dude, that's
1: that's epic. You know, like it's it, cool to it, see that people are doing that.
0: Yeah, no, it's super awesome. My uh, my son's always asking me like, "Hey, when are we when are we roasting next?" And he'll go out and just <laughs> hang awesome. out with me while we're roasting. Um, Dude, I love it. Let's let's dive into uh, a little bit more. I wouldn't say it is a serious topic, and I do bring it up a lot because I'm super passionate about it, and mm. I want to know your opinion on it. Um, the detachment of coffee, I bring it up in every podcast. So the detachment of, and it's no one's fault. And I say this again, and it's not to bag on anybody the detachment of where your coffee comes from, right? I want to know where your stance is on giving back to the farmers and where you think the overall climate is as far as, uh, where that situation is in, in America right now, as far as being detached and not giving back and then also how they're treated overseas. Yeah, absolutely, man.
1: Uh, I've had just tons of conversations about this myself and I think, So for one, I think it's super important and probably the biggest thing that specialty coffee can do is help understand that. And I think people have a craving for this, right? Which I think is why you're starting to see more and more of it is an understanding of like where our stuff comes from. Right. Like we see the like coal mines and like with cell phone batteries and all that stuff. And like people are starting to get an idea because of the ease of access to information that like, Hey, Hey, the treatment of, of my addiction to my cell phone and the treatment of those people and how I get the battery actually matters. Right. And I think the same thing is with coffee, right? Like this beverage that caffeinates me in the morning every day, like gets to me somehow, how does it get here? And are those people that pick that stuff actually treated well? And so I think that for one, it's super important. And I think, um, you know, that's why we have like blurbs on every one of our coffees of like, hey, this is the farm, these are the producers, and like, this is why this information matters, which is a lot of what our subscription tries to do is understand like, hey, this is why elevation matters, this is why varietal matters, this is why your processing matters, like, because it'll impact your taste, which you get to experience, but also like these producers put a ton of time and effort and energy and money into this thing that we get and if we fail to understand that then we fail to understand that that's why it costs more and that's why we should be willing to pay more for something that we actually value so um when it comes to like payment of producers i think kyle rowling said it best um he actually i think just came back i don't know if he's going back to mexico but he um worked with 400 um farmers and producers in Mexico. And, you know, I asked him a lot of these like hard questions of like, do we have this feeling in specialty coffee that people aren't being given a good wage and that they need to be paid more? Or is it actually that they're underpaid and mistreated? And his answer I think was so beautiful and so perfect. So huge credit to him on this, but it's all relative in the sense of like, Some people are super happy with $30,000 a year and living minimally. And that's awesome for them. And some people are super happy with $500,000 a year and having a Benz and that's great. Like there's nothing wrong with either side of that. And so it's so subjective to the people um, in those situations. And so what he kind of said was like, it depends on each farmer and each person, like what, may satisfy the needs of someone may not satisfy the needs of someone else. And so, right. you know, I think there's a place for mass produced coffee that Starbucks buys, right? Because the reality is, is that they're probably not going away. Um, just like, you know, the big breweries aren't going away either. Um, and those farmers are doing that because that's what supports their families and puts food on their table sure. at night and a roof over their head. So, you know, the specialty industry I think has its place and it's super important that people know that like, Hey, this is why this costs more because these producers are putting time into the like picking of it and then how it's processed and how it's milled and like whether it's a honey process or a double maceration, like all this experimental processing methods. And like, that's what's giving you these tasting notes. And that's why we should be willing to pay more for it because it's really time intensive and there's a lot of things that goes into it. So um, that's my long-winded answer for that.
0: No, no that was, uh, that needed to be said. That was good. I think that's one of the better responses I've heard as far as that overall topic. Um, and another thing too, I think, and it's nothing against mass coffee. I think that most people are so used to mass assisted coffee and just that basic cup of coffee that they don't understand what actually goes into coffee because it's a super basic thing that you can get at the gas mm-hmm. station you can get it at the grocery store and they just see it as like a mass produced thing. That's yeah no different than, you know, something super like a basic cereal almost. So, right. yeah. So I feel like uh, it's starting to get out there. The information is getting out that coffee is a special thing. You know, it really 100%. is. And
1: and uh, I, th- no, I think one other, sorry, one other thing that I want to touch on, which I recently learned is just that, Understanding come like coffee's a commodity, so it's traded and there's futures and understanding all of that is is super hard for people to understand. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of a detachment in specialty from that commodity. And so just like corn or oil, right? The price fluctuates um with seasonality and people buy basically say, Hey, I'm gonna give you a thousand dollars for this price in six months from now to pay it. And if the cost, if the price goes up, then it may be worth more and they can sell it. Right. It goes down, you know, so it's traded and specialty is starting to see where like, Hey, this producer last year got $4 a pound for this green and my quality has remained the same. And so I'm going to get $4 or better this year. And it's not this commodity that's going to be traded and go up or down depending on, you know, what's going on in the economy. But So I think for people to understand that like if we can continue to see that detachment and say like, hey, we're going to continue like producers should continue demanding that like, hey, this is what I got last year and this is what I expect this year. Like it's the weirdest thing because in in coffee industry, like they go to some like they bring a bag that they've picked and someone tells them this is what it's worth. Right. In America, like it's completely flipped where like I put a price tag on my coffee and say, Hey, this is what it's worth. Are you willing to pay for it or not? And that's opposite to where someone else is telling them like, Hey, this is what your stuff's worth. And so if we can get away from that in some sense, which is, um, I don't have the answers as to how that should happen, but I think if we can do that, that'll be a huge step for the specialty industry.
0: Well, I think you're in the, you're going in the right direction as well. And and as this podcast is too, um, like getting this information out there just so everyone has access to it. Like I said, it's going to build the community and, nope. and dude, I will book you four or five months in a row just to have these conversations. Just, to, dude. Yeah. It, it it's just so, you said, you know,
1: it's so valuable too. And I think what's really cool is if we, if we do this, you know, every so often, like the information that you get from all the people that you have on, Cause like so many of the things I'm saying, like aren't my ideas. So right. I want people to know, like I'm not super smart. I've just talked to people that are way smarter than me and right. asked them questions. Right. And it's the same thing that, you know, you've done. Right. And so you probably have all this information too, for like the detachment question. Right. Like right now you formulated your opinions and ideas based off of what everyone else has said. And so I would love to hear a, a short snippet from you on like, What are some nuggets that you've heard from in other guests that you're like, man, that like, that's it, whether it be the detachment or anything else. Like I'd love to, I'd love to hear it and pull it for myself.
0: Yeah, for sure. So one one of the things for me, man, uh, that, that I've learned. So when I had Steve green on, Hmm. um, his business venture, like his information as far as business gave me a whole different outlook on how you should approach business. Um, and you know, most people say, you know, you have to get out there and get after it. You know, all the cliche statements when it comes to getting into a business. I've, I've taken things from that podcast that I had with him and I have implemented it almost every oh, yeah. single day as far as how to go about a business venture. Um, Nelson uh, Nelson from De La Finca Coffee is an importer and a farmer. The guy gave me so much information on how farms are ran and then how farms are not ran and how he has to go through an entire process on how to run a farm as well as importing to the states. Um, the the issues they have with customs getting coffee over here, stuff that I had no clue about until I right. talked to him. So it's just like you said, formulating that opinion, those uh, those like little nuggets you're talking about. They just, they get stuck in the back of your head, having a conversation and and it goes back to the old adage of like, you're, you're really who you surround yourself by. Um, so having all of these awesome individuals that have all these experiences, um, and all their failures that they talk about too, it's just, you're just adding that to your tool belt. Yeah. So it's, that's pretty much the nuggets that I have. Uh, and I could go into every single one of them, like, uh, Like this last one that I had, I didn't think that I would be taking a lot from latte art, but I had Cloudy from Coffee Artist Tool just giving me tips uh, offline about latte art, and it's like I didn't think I would be learning about latte art like this, right? You know.
1: Yeah, and I think for business too, like what's so important is having these conversations in like I get fired up in like I'll listen to other podcasts or whatever and, and it'll, it'll fire me up or motivate me, whether that be working out or business or whatever it is. And like having these conversations motivates you. And I think what's important for people to know, like if I could tell someone the number one key to success is just to not give up. Right. Like, and there's always a time. And I say it with a the caveat, there's always a time. Like if it's not working, don't keep dumping money into it, but maybe you need to pivot. Maybe you need to take a break. Like, My wife and I went into coffee full time. We had a coffee trailer that we did. We did tons of events. We had like a schedule for office buildings that we did. We both quit our jobs. We went into it full head and it exploded. Like it took off quicker than we could. And like I wasn't at the maturity to be able to hand things off and to hire people. And so, like, it was like, hey, do I stay married or do I have a business and probably get divorced? Like, well, that's an easy answer. I'm going to be married forever. So right. like I'm going to stop this business, sell it. And then I came back to it and now I'm at the maturity to where like, Hey, I can grow this thing at the rate that I'm want it to. And if I just continue doing that over the long haul, like it will be successful. And so I think the biggest thing for people to understand is like, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're starting a business or starting a side hustle, like you're going to have crazy roller coasters of emotions. And having conversations with people will keep you motivated in the, the levels. and will also help you understand, like when you're at the peaks, it's like hey, I can be learning. It's like what's going well. Enjoy these moments because it's not going to last forever. There's going right. to be hard things. There's going to be unforeseen stuff that comes about, and. You just gotta roll with it and keep at it, like. Um, and I think having a lot of grit and tenacity to get through those things is is a huge part of people's success.
0: Uh, yeah, hundred um, percent. I couldn't, I couldn't vouch for what you just said more. Um, and also, if I could add anything to that, surround yourself with good people. yeah S- Surround yourself with individuals that are going to fight for you. Surround yourself with individuals mm-hmm. that have belief in your plan. Right. Like, if you're constantly surrounded by people that have zero belief in what you're doing and they're going to constantly question what you're doing, you're just, it's going to be a, like you said, a roller coaster, an uphill battle the entire time. Yep. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And like, lean on people that, you know, just like you were saying, like, the um Trevor with Madcap was talking to me recently and he was like, dude, like my parents like took a second mortgage on their house and like we got personal financing from my in-laws to help us start the business. And so like it's okay, like we don't have to act like we have it all together, because I don't for sure. I've made tons of mistakes and I'll share any of those mistakes with anyone who wants to know, but like it's okay to have some humility and be like, hey, like this isn't going well can you help me figure out why or give me some advice from like an outsider's view? Like it's okay to be vulnerable and to let other people into those moments and spaces and be like, Oh, do X, Y, or Z and like find people that are better at things. And that's one thing I think it was huge for me is like when you start something, it's kind of like a baby to you and it's hard to give up or hard to like hand off to people. But like, man, if I would have done that, I would have been so much more successful. Like, Find people that are ten times better at things that you are not good at and and get them in your fold somehow um, so
0: no that I, I couldn't agree more like this right now like it it's so hard to find individuals to surround yourself with and like and I think like like right now, we just created a bond over coffee, right, um, right. and I feel like more people if if they just go out and search they they will find those same relationships and business partners and you know et cetera yeah exactly so
1: yeah man it's it's a fascinating industry and i think there's there's so much in roasting or in latte art or in you know brewing or in green buying like there's so many avenues that you can get into right and you know if you just are willing to ask questions like you can find your niche or your place within that and um you know continue pushing the industry together and i think the more conversations like this and the more um you know, we've never had such easy access to information and, right. and create, right? Like, don't just be a consumer, but be a creator um, and, and put yourself out there. Like, you
0: know, I, that's a big thing, my, man. People are scared yeah. about that. They are so scared totally. to take that step, you know, like, Oh, I don't, I don't want to put myself out there, you know?
1: Yeah. And you're never going to get better if you don't try. Right. And it's like all these lame cliches we hear on all these like motivational Instagram videos or whatever, but it there is some level of truth to it. Like I cringe at some of my early like content videos. I'm like, man, for one, like I've always been pretty like frugal with money. And I'm like, man, I just recorded stuff on my iPhone. It sounds awful. And like, eventually you get to a point where like, Hey, I got some money. Like, let me get a nice microphone. Like, let me increase this and the more I interview people and the more I talk to them, the better things get, the more I do it, the more you realize like, Oh, this was way better than last episode. And like, Oh, right. For sure. If you keep doing episodes, um, eventually you look back and like, Whoa, like this thing's actually grown into something that I'm,
0: I'm really proud of and, and excited sure. to share with others. So. Yeah, for sure. So before we close here, um, this can be as long winded or as short winded as you want to make it. Um, <laughs> so, and I've asked a, this a couple of times in the past. Um, if you could go back and talk to yourself when you first got into coffee, what Mm. advice would you give yourself? Like legitimate advice uh, personally, as well as professionally. Mm. Great.
1: Super good question. And I think the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is um, understanding like what, what makes sense for you and what gives you the most um i guess the most value for your time right Right, so so for me like i wish i would have understood that for me in my head there's two ways to really make money in coffee like you can hustle a bunch of cups and like on a retail side of things and, and have quick turnover. And the more cups of coffee that you can sell, the more money they're going to make. And you've got to be able to maintain that. Or you can sell like larger quantities, like a wholesale vibe and get that out. And so finding like time and value for that and what you're passionate about, I think is big. The biggest thing that I wish I would have told myself is like, um, when you think it's time to hire someone, it's probably already time. Um, Right. And be willing to bring other people on and be willing to take that risk knowing that it's going to work out. Um, Take calculated smart risks, but um, hire people so that you can step away and focus on what you need to focus on and don't try to do it all. Right. Like if you struggle with bookkeeping or if you struggle with whatever it may be, like, a lot of the skills and basics in coffee are actually really easy to learn. Like even roasting is not crazy complex. Um, it may take you a while to get a hang of it, but once you do, you can teach other people to do that and hire them and bring them on. So that's what I would say. Um, the other thing is just like keep what's important uh, important, right? So like for me, that's family and my wife and my kids, and make sure that if this isn't benefiting that and whatever that may be, right? If that's like you said, like, you know, your son always asks you, hey, when are we roasting coffee next? Like if that's actual time while you're doing coffee stuff or date nights, then awesome. Like if it's so that you can take a trip, like this is putting a little bit of extra side cash in your pocket so you can take that family vacation, do it. Like whatever that may be, um, keep the main thing, the main thing, and make sure that your passions and your side hustles or whatever are fueling those things. Um, and it'll all be worth it. Cause you'll think in those hard moments where like I've roasted coffee, like 10 o'clock at night, and I'm dead tired and I'm like, man, this sucks. Like this is right, the last right. thing I want to do. <laughs> like get me out of here. But then I think about it. And I'm like, you know what? Like this is what's going to allow me to do X, Y, or Z. Like this is what's going to allow me to, you know, buy my kid that thing that they want or whatever it may be. And it's like, okay, like I can do this, you know, right. and that'll get you through
0: those things. Cause it's fueling
1: your, Uh, what really matters in your life so
0: awesome man so guys you heard it here first that is some of the best (laughs) advice that i've had on this podcast so if any of you guys have any questions where can they find you and where can they dm you at to get all of this information yeah
1: Yeah, absolutely and then i'd love the same because you know i'm going to share this episode on the specially comfy podcast as well so i want people to be able to reach out to you josh you had such amazing questions and i know that there's such a wealth of information that they can glean from this show and like you know i get almost more amped when other people are successful than when i am so please check out josh's show it's amazing um but anyways you can find us at storyline coffee roasters on instagram that's where we're most prevalent um so you can dm us at storyline coffee roasters same thing for the website storylinecoffeeroasters.com You can email me at Tyler at StorylineCoffeeRoasters.com. I think our phone number is on our Instagram or whatever. So you can shoot me a text, Um, Instagram, Facebook, uh, website, and then, you know, we're on Spotify, Apple, and pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, So we do video and audio on Spotify and audio everywhere else. um, And that's the Specialty Coffee Podcast. Um, so people can go over there, subscribe, leave us a review. We really do read every one of them, and it means a lot when
0: people take the time to just say, hey, this is awesome. So
1: what about you, Josh? Where where can people find you? How can they check you out?
0: So my website for coffee, if you want to look into my coffee, it is champbros.shop. Also, you can find me at Champ Bros, uh, Coffee on Instagram, and then also my YouTube channel is the same as well, at Champ Bros Coffee. Um, And that's the Roasters Roundtable. Um, We put out videos every single week. Um, So if you are interested in any podcast to delve into the educational portion, as well as overall experiences for coffee roasters, podcasters, baristas, farmers, etc., you can follow us at at Coffee. That's awesome, man.
1: Yeah. And again, like I think we're both open books, like ask us questions, um, you know, reach out to us you know get conversations going um so yeah we'd love to love to hear from you guys
0: oh yeah so we're we're gonna have you back on again because uh just delving in and having these conversations because i could have talked for about three or four more hours so dude
1: no no doubt this hour flew by man and again thanks for reaching out and having me
0: on it's it's awesome and yeah we'd love to have you out to colorado bro so come on out awesome all right i'll buy a ticket all right let's do it all right tyler well i appreciate you coming on man absolutely josh take care